welcome back to the Forking Wellness Podcast. My name is Sophie, registered nutritionist. And I'm Barry, registered dietitian. And today's episode, we are going to be answering um, a few of the questions that the Forking Wellness community has written in. So via email, DM, um, we're finally getting around to answering some of them. And we're very excited. Um, we're going to save the best one for last, which is all about um, a relationship with food question, which, you know, we love. Um, and we're going to start off with the first one, shall we? Fabulous. Let's go in. Okay. So someone wrote in, I'm a huge fan of working wellness and have really loved the episode on why diets don't work. Can you talk a bit more about the keto diet? Would love to. For sure. <laughs> Question. Have you ever been on the keto diet or have you tried the keto diet? Absolutely not. I've definitely, um, I think naturally, actually, in the past maybe like year and a half, two years, have noticed um, kind of a more, definitely more fat in my diet, like a more high fat percentage than I used to. But I don't think, um, I think that's just because I've actually just be in a really good place with my relationship with food and have just reintroduced a lot of foods that maybe I haven't included in a while, but definitely not. I mean, the keto diet is quite extreme. What about you? Yeah, no, definitely not. I genuinely don't know how my body would react because who was I talking to? It might have been Ash or Kitty, maybe my sister. Um, and I actually clu- include a lot of carbs and a lot of fats in my diet yeah I I would not be able to cope okay so for anyone who um is not familiar with the keto diet it's essentially a really extremely low carb diet Mm -hmm. um in which god um do you know the actual percentage I think it's like 80 percent fat yeah and I think people actually I think there's different versions of it oh yeah um and a lot of people underestimate how kind of extreme it is because I think what a lot of people don't realize going into it is you know fruits and vegetables or carbohydrates exactly and yeah so fruits vegetables like obviously you know bread and things like that rice pasta but also like legumes Mm -hmm. Um, even like um dairy like lactose in dairy is Mm -hmm. sugar found in um, dairy products. So that counts as well. So even things like, you know, full fat Greek yogurt, which a lot of people do enjoy in the keto diet, you can only have so much because of the lactose and milk and things like that. So it's quite an extreme diet. I think it, like you said, it does vary where people, you know, I think it's like 75% to 80% fat. And then the rest is like, I think it's like less than five to 10% of carbohydrates which is really low really really low so I guess the main thing to say is that why it's so attractive is because a lot of people lose a lot of weight in the especially in the first few weeks so I think that when you start it and you see that immediate weight loss it can be quite motivating and people get really excited about that but what's actually happening is that we lose a lot of water weight because when carbohydrates are eaten and they're stored, they're stored as glycogen and glycogen is stored in water molecules. So when we stop eating carbohydrates, our body starts to burn off stored glycogen. It breaks down those molecules and releases the water. So you actually might get, you know, for like a significant amount of weight loss in that first week, but it's mainly water weight. It's not fat loss. It's not anything like that. Um, It's literally just water weight. And once you start reintroducing carbs, you'll store back the water and you'll gain that weight. Yeah. I think it's for every one molecule of carbohydrate, you attract three to four molecules of water. Mm -hmm. So hence why, you know, if you've had a really big pasta, for example, you might feel that kind of bloating (laughs) sensation. Um, because yeah, you attract, like Barry said, you hold on to and you attract more water. But that's not kind of, it's not fat. It's not like instantly stored fat. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like exactly. Like it's not instantly like lost fat. You're not like melting fat away. You're just like literally peeing out water. Mm-hmm. But I get the attraction. If you want to lose weight, people see that 
large number drop quite quickly. But again, it's not actual weight. It's just water weight is. So I think it's a bit misleading and it's actually really, really hard to sustain. So I would Mm -hmm. actually argue that it's a very unsustainable diet. I think there's a difference between a low carb approach um, and even a very low carb approach. And then keto. I think keto is like on the spectrum of low carb diets. Mm-hmm. You can be like a moderate carb, low carb, very low carb, and then like extreme keto. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think that it causes a lot of problems as well because what we yeah. see a lot is when people go on a diet, you know, they get to their goal or whatever it is, and then they're like, well, now what? Because I can't possibly carry on with this insanely restrictive diet. But if I go back to what I knew before, I'm just going to put all the weight on. And that causes a lot of frustration and disordered behaviors around food. Yeah, especially because you have to constantly track. So not only do you have to like be thinking about like your next meal and it's not just like avoiding carbs and then obviously carbs become the enemy Um, But you actually have to track like the grams of carbs to be in ketosis. So what that actually means is that um, when you stop consuming carbohydrates, your body stops burning glucose for fuel and switches to burning fat. So you switch to fat oxidation and you produce ketones Mm -hmm. um, or ketone bodies. um, And that acts as your fuel, even though your body does prefer to act on glucose, especially your brain. Yeah, I was going to say. But that's what that's what um ketosis is so when you're in a state of ketosis is um like you're you're burning ketones um for fuel um which is also really really hard to actually get yourself into a state of keto so people who do this like for weight loss or you know we can talk about it if people think that it's really good for longevity and things like that um you have to like test your blood sugar levels Mm mm-hmm And you have to weigh up kind of, you know, for instance, you're probably nowhere near getting enough fiber in your diet if you're on um, a keto diet. And we have all this new research coming out telling us how essential fiber is to our overall well-being for so many different reasons. And we actually did a whole episode on fiber. So you can go back and listen to that um, for us to go into more depth. But fiber is so important. And I think it I mean, I would go as far as saying it's pretty much impossible to achieve your fiber intake on a keto diet yeah I mean it's definitely really hard you have to rely on things um I think you'd probably have to rely on a lot of like fiber supplements like psyllium yeah oh yeah for sure yeah I meant through like food exactly that's the point is that you Mm -hmm. can't actually get it through food so you have to rely on external supplements but like surely that that's a big sign that the diet that you're having is not well balanced if you have to seek you know, an essential nutrient such mm-hmm. as fiber, which is in abundance in really healthy foods like fruit, vegetables, um, whole, grains. whole grains. So it's not like you're cutting out, you know, vegans who cut out certain nutrients might need to supplement with like B12. That's very, very different than like having to take fiber supplements, which are found in an abundance of food because you're afraid of the carbs. Yeah, for sure. And but I think what is always so appealing with these types of diets is people, you know, even intelligent people or, you know, anyone who's clued up on diets, they're not necessarily thinking, okay, if I embark on this diet, I might, you know, be deficient in this and I might lose out on that nutrient. Sometimes these people are just so desperate to lose weight that all of that kind of exterior knowledge goes out the window. Yeah, definitely. Um, I also think it's interesting that you know, one of the main reasons the keto diet um, came to light or that people started talking about it is because it's actually shown to be really helpful for people who have epilepsy. Um, The the kind of the fat oxidation metabolic pathway is more beneficial to prevent um, seizures. Um, But, you know, that's kind of the only really medically indicated reason that one should follow a keto diet. Yeah, and I think there's been other areas of research which have maybe led us to believe that keto might be a good option for some people. However, let's, for example, say some people believe it may reduce their risk of heart disease. There are other ways, you know, research has reported other things we can be doing to reduce our risk of heart disease. Yeah, exactly. There's, I mean, there's a ton of other things that we can be doing. Yeah, we could reel off and talk so much on this topic. Yeah. 
But I also think the big thing is longevity. I think there's a huge topic of conversation today, like in the research about um, longevity and extremely low carb diets, keto. Um, but interestingly enough, the research that we have is either in mice which we know that like our metabolic functions are super different than those of mice and, or they are in a very, very small set of, you know, adult males. So um, we can't really extrapolate that research to females, um, especially because hormones, um, especially when you cut down on hormones, that has a huge impact. I mean, cut down on carbohydrates has a huge impact on hormones as well. Mm -hmm. Um, So I don't really think that we can say that Um, But also a lot of those studies, they had people consume a keto diet or extremely low carb diet, but they still had their total amount of food was controlled. So it's not like they were eating ad lib, ad libum, what's that word? Libum? Whatever. Um, Like they were, it's, it's a Latin word for like eating like freely with no rules. Um, So like the theory is that um, if you consume high fat food it's more satiating so you actually Mm. consume less food overall so you're still in kind of like a negative energy balance um but that actually hasn't been really showed in the research because people who do or the mice or that very very small subset of um men their their food was still tightly controlled Mm. so you don't really know what that looks like in you know for an everyday person yeah wasn't there research as well that came out a few years ago that basically was looking at a low carb diet versus the low fat diet and they pretty much found that there was no significant difference because this is what you know this kind of diet has led people to believe that carbs equal weight gain yeah and this study basically demonstrated that no if you take away a food group you're taking away x amount of calories um so that equals weight loss does that make sense yeah exactly I think that my the CEO of the company that I work for put this um really really well and he said or the COO I should say he said that if you just find a way of eating that works for you whether it's low carb high carb whatever it looks like if it's something that you can stick to every day and if it's something that you enjoy and something that you thrive off of and your body genuinely responds well to it and you feel great and you feel energized physically and mentally. He's like, then that's all you need. So for one person, they might really enjoy doing one thing and you might enjoy doing different, but like it's that whole thing of we're all unique. We all mm-hmm. have different preferences. And at the end of the day, if you f- make a choice in regards to your food that's unsustainable, that's a huge red flag. That means that you shouldn't be doing it. Yeah. So me and my sister went out for a few glasses of wine this morning and this morning, this morning. Oh, my God. Last night. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) God, That sounded so bad. Okay, it was definitely last night. Um, And we woke up this morning, which is what I was going to say. (laughs) Okay, I'm going to start again. Me and my sister went out for a few glasses of wine last night. And we woke up this morning and we were making breakfast and I was like, oh, what do you want? And she was like, oh, I think I'm just going to have like a veggie sausage sandwich. And I was like, oh, I'm going to have like my bowl of porridge with my berries and passion fruit on top. And she was like, oh, I don't know how you can eat like such sweet food when you're like slightly hungover. And I was like, it's just what my body wants. Yeah. <laughs> but like she's completely different. Exactly. Everyone is so different. I actually had the weirdest experience last night. Um I went to sleep and I like was full, but I woke up. So Mark and I went to a food market yesterday for like lunch ish. And I had a really, and I was full till like nine o'clock at night. And at nine I was um, hungry and I actually made myself. Oh, I hate it when that happens. <laughs> yeah. And I actually made myself like a tin of tuna with Ribita. Um, I don't know why that's what I wanted at that point. Cause I also didn't feel like cooking, but then I was like hungry, but mm-hmm. obviously that didn't keep me full for very long. I kid you not at three in the morning, I woke up starving and I was like I cannot go to sleep like that's I'm the worst did you get up and eat yeah and that's I've honestly I've woken up at like four or five in the morning maybe once or twice in my life and just like painfully hungry yeah. and I don't know why and I just have yeah. to go up and like get something to eat yeah and I had like some Velveeta biscuits that Mark likes um and a bit of cheddar cheese <laughs> <laughs> I didn't you get nightmares did you <laughs> I like don't know like um why that was what I ate in the middle of the night but um 
so it was a great snack um but i woke up this morning and there was like um still a bit of cheese on the countertop and i was like oh god i remember what happened (laughs) (laughs) it was like um yeah haunting but then again if we were on the keto diet we wouldn't be able to do something like that um and you would really have to just be like oh no i woke up in the middle of the night i'm hungry what can i eat and you're like like i can only have high fat foods so the cheese would imagine but i just feel like living your like i would argue that no one can enjoy a social life while being on keto because then you get that kind of like yeah you get that I think you do get into the mentality of like um keto free weekends or like and then you just end up binging because Mm -hmm. the routine that you had during the week was so restrictive and it requires just so much forward planning and just takes the enjoyment out of food doesn't it yeah definitely but look, like if you have a medical reason that you need to go on the keto diet or you're really interested in the research like um, around, you know, disease prevention or there's, you know, small set of research on cancer or longevity, like we're not here to say like, do, like go experiment, like do what you want, but just know that like it is super restrictive. Most people aren't able to sustain it in the long term and it can really harm your relationship with food because yeah. your diet can. Yeah, but and probably will. Yeah, or will for sure. But um, yeah, that's that's my thought on keto. I just don't think it's a sustainable way to live. Uh, and I, yeah. if you are concerned with like um, you know, disease risk or longevity, I think there's a lot of other things that we can do to improve those things without going to drastic measures. Mhm. Agreed. Yeah. Okay. Cool. That's that on that. Next question. Um, hey, girls, love the podcast. Well done. You both have such incredible Instagram feeds with delicious recipes. Oh. Can you do an episode on meal planning, batch cooking, cooking on a budget? Interesting. Um, so we did, I think, maybe our second ever episode was called How to Get Savvy in the Kitchen. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved that episode. I thought I we gave some great tips. I feel like we need to re-record it actually though because we didn't definitely did not have our audio shit figured out then. No, we didn't. And we didn't I think like I said, it was the second ever episode we'd done, so God knows what we sound like. <laughs> yeah, but maybe we should redo that. Adam. Yeah. But definitely. I guess we can do our our top top takeaways from that. Um so I remember my my thing is always I buy a lot of frozen pre chopped vegetables especially mm-hmm. things like garlic ginger I know you like the frozen onions yeah um, those make cooking so much easier um, and I think it takes a lot of the stress away and then my other tip was always meal planning because I think that it's great for um, just forecasting and less stress when you get into the kitchen when you know what you're gonna make obviously that's like a flexible schedule mm-hmm. um, you're not like locked into it but then also um I think it it saves a lot of money on a food shop because you know exactly what you're getting and you can kind of reuse multiple ingredients for like make make it stretch. So Mm -hmm. if you have leftover an ingredient, oh, how can I put that into the next night so you don't get any food waste? Yeah. And yeah, those are my top tips for like safe. So like meal plan and like cut corners when you can like be a lazy cook, essentially, like no one no one expects you to make like a Michelin star meal every single night. Definitely. Mine is definitely utilize the freezer, frozen berries, frozen fruits, frozen veggies, so much cheaper, just as nutritious, if not more nutritious. Um, They last longer, just like I think, like I can't vouch for frozen berries enough, like I'm actually obsessed. Um, Also like cupboard staples, really think about like ingredients such as oats, eggs, tinned foods like chickpeas, beans lentils all of that stuff I just said you can pretty much make a meal out of if you've got nothing else in the house and they're so cheap you can get tins for like 50p you can also get like those microwavable grains now for like 85p whereas like they used to be like three pound mm-hmm. um eggs are super cheap and you can have them for breakfast lunch or dinner mm-hmm. oats again are really cheap and they last quite a long time yeah so, yeah I think things like stir fries, um, those are really quick because I think there's like two parts to that question. It was like, you know, eating on a budget um, 
but then also like meal planning and batch cooking. Um, so when it turns for meal planning, I actually create a meal plan for the week, like Monday through Friday. I kind of leave Saturday and Sunday like open because we normally go out or, you know, mm-hmm. if we're doing something. Um, but yeah, this week actually. So we're actually pre-recording this episode a week early, which is so unlike us. I know, we're but, so organized. <laughs> so organized, but actually tomorrow... Mark has decided that he wants to do a week of being a pescatarian. So he's going to exciting. Give up um meat for the week. So for the first time ever in our relationship of 7 years, I'm going to cook one meal every single night. Oh my god, that's so interesting. I wish I could ask to do that. I feel and- like he just wouldn't give up chicken sausages. <laughs> <laughs> Would he swap them for veggie? Veggie sausages. Yeah. No. No, have you? I don't think so. He, I just don't think he would. Maybe I'll see. Maybe when we stop recording this, I'm going to go in and pressure him into it. Yeah. So this week, um, I made a meal plan, um, Monday through Friday, and they're quite flexible. Like I have five meals, but like, um, it doesn't matter like what day we have them. So does it have to be fish? Will he only have fish as his protein? So, no, we're doing three nights of fish and two nights of vegetarian. Honestly, fish is quite expensive. So what will um, he have? Um, so one night is a, I'll tell you what's on my meal plan. Okay, yeah, I want to know. Um, one night is a salad with grilled shrimp and halloumi, which he loves. Mm-hmm. Um, another night is veggie burgers and we're going to make homemade potato chips. Oh, Ash loves the Linda McCartney veggie burgers, actually. Yeah, that's the one I bought. Yeah. I feel like they're the most meat-esque. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll do that. And then I, I have, I'm going to just grate potatoes on like a mandolin. And then bake them and try and make our own, um, like, homemade crisps with that. Um, what else is on the meal plan? Then I have, like, a stir-fry with salmon, which I know he loves. And then I also bought us tuna steaks to do, like, sesame-crusted ahi tuna. But that's, like, very expensive. I would normally, like, not buy that um, on a week. I was going to say, I feel like you've really pimped this meal plan to get him excited. I have. I have. It wasn't a cheap week for us. We definitely spent over the average of what we normally do um mm. but um then I'm going to reuse some of those stir fried veg and we'll make like an egg fried rice um with that and then we are going to do a sweet potato spinach and paneer curry ah oh, I love paneer yeah so um he's really he tried it before no, but I sold it to him as he likes halloumi it's less salty but it's like a similar texture less squeaky but like same concept. I don't know. He's into it though. Um, but then I actually did my order online. So I did it on Sainsbury's. Um, so they'll deliver it. And I just find doing an online order, I can plan everything. And then it mm-hmm. stops that impulse buy. And I end I up a lot more money. I think uh, we're going to do that next time. Cause I've been spending way too much money on food recently. Yeah, so we stopped during COVID because, like, delivery slots were, like... Oh, yeah, of course, yeah. You couldn't get one. And we were fortunate enough to live across the street from a supermarket. So we just, um, you know, we didn't want to stockpile. We kind of just went when we needed to. Mm. And, and it actually got us into pretty some pretty bad habits of just, like, going to the store and just, yeah. like, being like, what do you want for dinner tonight? I'll just go see what they have. And you just end up spending so much money that way. Um, so... You know, for me, it's really about, you know, making a meal plan, but making it flexible. Um, Like nothing will happen if you don't have what. Yeah, if you stare away. Yeah. And then I do the online shop because I feel like it's the most um, price efficient for me and Mark. Um, Yeah. So that's my week. I'm excited. Maybe I'll document it on my stories and see how he likes his. I want to know how it goes. I'd I'd like if only Mark was a vlogger. (laughs) <laughs> it was a blogger. You know what? We'll see how this week goes. Sorry, I'm just changing my position. My sitting on my foot and my foot got pins and needles. Um maybe if we're lucky, we'll have him on the podcast to discuss how the week went. I would love to. We tried to persuade him and it didn't happen, did it? No, he's a very private person. Um, but we can, we can only dream. Um, anything else when it comes to meal planning or batch cooking? We didn't really, I guess you talked about the freezer. Yeah. Um, so with batch cooking, I love doing, I love throwing like all the kind of veggies and grainy things and beans into one dish, like either like 
bake it in the oven or fry it up in a saucepan or like slow cook it or whatever um and it makes for such a good like nutritious meal and most of the time you can literally get like four or five of your day in there so I would do like mixed beans quinoa sometimes I put jackfruit in onions tomatoes um peas broccoli put some cheese on top and they make for really good lunch boxes I know that sounds like the most random mix ever but it's like a veggie chili essentially yeah yeah me and Barry love one of those yeah it's like our dish that we can agree on yeah Um, (laughs) I also think like my mom does a lot of batch cooking and she's so good at that um it does take some like planning sometimes Um, but I obviously think it's really great for those times when you're in a crunch and those moments that you would reach for like a frozen dinner or like call a takeaway. It is so nice to be able to say, oh, I have like pre-portioned dinners in the freezer. I'll just pull out. Yeah. It just, it makes things so easy. Um, I mainly batch cook for like lunches during the week. So like tonight I just made a coconut doll for dinner and it serves four. So I had it for dinner tonight and then I'll have it for lunch for the next three days um my idea of batch cooking is I just make doubles for dinner and then I eat leftovers Mm -hmm. um that just works for me um but obviously some people like to do a big like meal prep on the weekend and they have everything organized um my best friend Jen is like a crazy meal prepper I hope she's listening um she literally would like wake up at like seven on a Sunday, like run to the market, do her whole prep. And then she would what she would do is she would bring all her lunches for the week, Monday through Friday, into the office and like keep them in the fridge in work fridge because that they is beyond so organized. <laughs> she's so organized. But yeah, she's like the meal prep queen. Um, but yeah, some people really like to do that. Um, so I feel like there's you just have to get know what works best for you and your schedule and get into a groove um and some people hate it some people like to just cook meals every day Mm. yeah it does save time and money though I think and it helps reduce food waste and I hate food waste yeah um the best thing you can do is just like make a big like egg bake frittata type thing at Mm -hmm. the end with all your leftover veg yeah Um, veggie omelette exactly top it with some cheese and always <laughs> yes perfect okay cool on to the next question where am I um hey girls I've listened to both your intuitive eating episodes as well as the one on orthorexia and the one on why diets don't work I feel like I have all the knowledge but I'm still afraid of gaining weight can you discuss this a bit further so I guess this is someone. Sorry, who, what was the last bit? They're afraid of gaining weight. Oh, but okay. Listen to like why diets fail, orthorexia, and intuitive eating. So I feel like they're almost ready to embark on this non-diet journey, mm-hmm. but they're still afraid of gaining weight. I feel like you are the expert in this. <laughs> I wouldn't say expert, but I will do my best. Um, okay, so fear of weight gain. I mean, I always feel that when our so this you know this isn't the case for everyone but I'll go with a personal example to begin with when our health is threatened that's when we kind of think my weight was so not worth worrying about and I remember my mum told me a story actually one of her or her best friend actually was diagnosed with breast cancer quite a few years ago now and she's fine um and she got over it but she lost a lot of weight and she had always been like a bit of a dieter And she said to my mum, and my mum told me the story, that when she got better and she recovered, she was like, I am never, ever going to worry about my weight again. I'm never going to try and lose weight because she'd been at such a low point where her health was, you know, threatened and she was in such a scary place that it kind of put things into perspective in regards to how important her weight was. And I do feel like a lot of the time, the reason people don't want to gain weight is because, you know, they don't want to look in the mirror and see a bigger body. But why? You know, because because we've been told that bigger bodies are less acceptable than Mm. smaller bodies. So I think if we try and strip back the messaging and I also tell my clients to kind of engage with is that voice in their head, because I genuinely believe we all have the angel and the devil voice on our shoulders. Some people's are just louder than others. So I'm like, what is that devil voice telling you? Challenge him. You know, why does he get to be right? Why is he saying that you shouldn't be bigger than you know whatever that may be for you 
um like where does that come from like strip it back and really get to the root of it and decide how honestly important is that to you you know would you rather sacrifice your health just so you could be smaller or do you genuinely want to work on you know not having to sacrifice your health and accepting that yeah you might be in a larger body than you'd want to be but can we just maybe first of all practice not hating our body maybe just kind of trying to get yourself to a more neutral position where okay you're not telling yourself that you love yourself every day but you're also not telling yourself that you hate yourself every day yeah Sorry. I feel like I'm rambling <laughs> no I think that was really good and something you actually made me think of and I've never thought of this before but like I guess um we can try and picture it a little visualization thing um I don't know why when you said this it just made me think of it but like if you picture um what you want to look like so like that smaller body and then think of all the sacrifices you have to make to get there or the mm-hmm. unhealthy behaviors that you have to do to get there and then try and visualize your mental state at that point. And then you kind of picture what you think um, all the healthy behaviors you should be doing and what a healthy relationship with food feels like and then picture what your body looks like there. Mm-hmm. And you just listed like, even though it might be a bit bigger, but you just listed all the things that are like, good for you and how like you have like a positive mental state and isn't that much more important than like a gene size yeah and I think as well it's so much easier said than done and like I've been there and we all think we're invincible until we're not anymore and you know you get some bad news from your doctor and your doctor saying that you're deficient in something or you know your body's at risk in you know what whatever that risk may be um and the thing is we know that if you're underweight you are at risk of becoming more ill whether that be certain nutrient deficiencies or something more serious Mm -hmm. and it's scary being there because I have been there but until you get to that some people believe they're not going to get to that point and they're just kind of cruising along managing to maintain this unrealistic weight and what I also see is a lot of people thinking that that kind of balance exists where they're kind of eating healthy and what they think is a decent amount but they're also maintaining this like very slightly underweight weight. And they think that they found this kind of happy balance. It doesn't exist. It it doesn't exist. Some people are naturally in smaller bodies and they will be able to eat more than maybe someone in a larger body. That's, that's just the way our genes are. And sometimes it's unfair and people might look at other people and be like, that's not fair. But again, it comes back to why is a smaller body better? Yeah, because this has constantly been drilled into our heads since we were young. But I think there's a lot of messaging out there now that's changing that. So my advice, again, would to be follow people that make you feel good about yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, you might be following someone who's, you know, re- you know, you really enjoy following them. You think they're a great person. But if they are triggering you without even meaning to just unfollow them. Yeah. Or mute mute their stuff if you yeah. can follow them for a certain reason. Um, just like mute their page. It really makes such a difference. It's so funny you mentioned that because Mark and I just started watching Mad Men, and um, I think it I don't even it take place in the sixties. Honestly, I don't know, but it's like decades ago, and they were at um a um there was a scene of a stripper and her body was very very curvy, very Marilyn Monroe esque. And I remember just saying to myself, like, if this was remade in today's era, like, that, like, the model would look really, the actress would look really different. So, it, this is a very new concept that, like, mm-hmm. smaller is better. And, you know, we went through the age of, like, heroin chic. Like, that's terrible. Who the hell wants to look like they're on heroin? Like, that's <laughs> not attractive. So awful. Um. And I think now even like body image, we'll do an episode on body image, I think, but like yeah. now it's a bit unrealistic as well because you have like these unrealistic body types enhanced by Photoshop and what's mm-hmm. real and what's, you know, uh, what's that app called? Facetune and things like that. Like we don't even know what the kind of accepted bot, like it's just all ridiculous if I'm honest. Like everyone has a body, everyone's body is perfect. You know, every, everyone's body is meant to look different it's you know we're all unique in different shapes and sizes and I think the sooner we come to terms with that and start accepting that and embracing Mm -hmm. it the better off we're going to be like mentally physically like as a society like everyone just needs to you know break free of that like skinny is better mentality 
yeah I think appreciate you know celebrate the things that your body does for you like you know you have two legs that are allowing you to walk and run if you want to um you know your body is breathing you know regularly and and yeah. you know you, you can get up in the morning and you can jump if you want to like such small things that we take for granted um yeah. Yeah. and I think that um in Dr. Tara's episode I think she mentioned on her Instagram she might have had like a gratitude PMR so like what that is is like um, PMR is like progressive muscle relaxation and it's an exercise that goes through each part of your body and you're supposed to like acknowledge that part of your body and you're supposed to like essentially turn it off it's like um, a technique in Pilates or like uh, to help you sleep um, but if you actually went through that like every section of your body so your toes and then your feet and then your shit like work your way up and then up one side and down the other and just said something that that part of your body helps you do that can be a really powerful tool mm-hmm. to help appreciate your body a bit more. Yeah, definitely. I would just say work on, like I said, appreciating your body more and stop drilling in the negative thoughts and start drilling in the positive ones. Positive affirmations I find are really helpful. Every mm-hmm. time you hear that negative voice creeping in, fight back with something neutral or positive. Yeah, agreed. Um, and yeah, and just just think about the reason again, like, breaking free of all those diets and, you know, the mental headspace you're going to gain and, you know, all the freedom you'll have, like life is worth maybe those extra few pounds that you're afraid of gaining. Like that is life and that's enjoyment Mm -hmm. and that's happiness. And if you don't want to, if you're not willing to have that, you're going to sacrifice that to be slightly smaller. Or would you be content looking back on your life Mm -hmm. knowing that you gave up all that? Yeah. So, yeah, food for thought. Um, Next question, which was a recent question, very interesting. Um, And it says, hey, girls, I found your podcast so entertaining and informative. Thank you so much. Um, Have you both been following the F Factor drama with Tanya Zuckerbrot? I'd love to hear your opinions. So um, I actually have. You haven't. I I have not. When Barry approached me with the question I didn't have a clue what she was talking about so Barry will you kindly uh fill everyone in who doesn't know what you're talking about yeah so the f-factor diet is um founded by Tanya Zuckerbrot in New York City and she runs this weight loss clinic um and then she turned her kind of method into a diet called the f-factor diet and what essentially this is what I'm gaining from like a lot of different like sources and things like that there was also a um article written in i think the new york times and there was maybe a few others um but essentially the diet in itself just is increasing fiber which we know is great and at and its core a high fiber diet is important because we know that you know people what is it like nine and ten people don't reach their fi- recommended fi- mm-hmm. daily fiber intake um so they is that us or uk stuff I think that's a UK stat, but I think um, I think it's pretty generalizable in the fact that most people eat around 14 to 15 grams of fiber a day when the recommendation is upwards of 30. 30, yeah. So I like a high fiber diet is fantastic. We should all be getting it. But her method is really like counting every gram of like what she does is that you count your gram of carbs, and I think then you count your gram of fiber. And then subtract that to like get like net carbs because her thing is like, oh, we don't really absorb fiber. So it's like we don't have to count those calories. And she has like these like journals. She's basically just making like something that should be, you know, yes, let's increase our fiber intake. But she's making it so unenjoyable. Right. So then. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So it became just kind of like another diet off of like a very like well meaning thing and I think she just started to profit and it just started to snowball but then what happened is that she started selling um supplements and like shakes um what kind of supplements protein powders and stuff like whey protein powders um and they were all super high fiber high protein and a lot of recipes with like baking and making all these like healthified versions with you know 
all of that stuff. And so what's come out of it is that a lot of people from inside the company, people who've worked for her and past clients have started to come out and tell the horror stories of like being on this diet and how it's given them like a complex or, you know, sparked eating disorders and how like, or some have like caused them to be so ill because they're eating all this fiber and they're in the hospital and causing all this GI issues. And, you know, people who, um, you know, just so much. She won't release the ingredient, the proper something. Like, she won't release something about her supplements because they're, like, someone looked into it and they're not as safe as she claims to be. And she's, like, a multimillionaire. Like, lives in a $20 million, you know, flat in Manhattan. Like, profiting off all of this and just, like, denies absolutely everything. Just, like, sending out a ton of people, like, cease and desist um, letters from her lawyer. I do believe she hired the same lawyer that represented Harvey Weinstein um, in the Me Too movement, um, which is very interesting. Um, she has definitely gotten super defensive, but is still denying everything and blaming, you know, everyone but herself, not taking any responsibility for it. And I'm not saying whether it's true or not. And I don't think the whole thing, I don't think the discussion should really be around her. Like, when no one's here to like attack another person. Like, I, I don't think that that message is very helpful, but I do think the overall message is just diets suck. Mm-hmm. And yeah. even a diet that just, you know, glorifies fiber, which is a really, really healthy thing. Mm-hmm. You know, we love fiber. We did a whole episode on fiber, but again, we shouldn't have to be counting the amount of grams and aiming for double, triple the amount of daily fiber intake that we should be getting and sacrificing other foods because they're not high in fiber. Yeah. Can I ask, do you think the dieting industry is more extreme in America? Yeah. Oh, I, no. I mean, yeah, I do. I do think that, you know, just regulations and stuff like that, like you can get mm-hmm. away with a lot more, I think, in marketing as well. Like the messages you're allowed to put out there are allowed to be a bit more extreme. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think in in England they're a bit more tightly regulated. So I do think I do think the diet industry, but you know I see it here all the time. Like I literally can't walk by like a Holland and Barrett without seeing like that like twenty one day diet. I know, yeah. In the window, so like I think it's worse in America, but it's still terrible here. I just think that yeah, I completely industry. agree. Maybe it's because America's such it's on such a larger scale compared to the UK. I don't know. I just feel like I know I recognize it's here in the UK as well, but I feel like it's just so extreme in the U S like there's so many even kind of like cafes in the U S where it's like this, you know, the, the juices that we sell here will make you glow. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And this has this ingredient and this. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think that the market is probably bigger in America so Mm -hmm. that like health and wellness industry um but yeah I do think oh I don't know it's just it's just all terrible but yeah I do think you see the more extreme things in America for sure um it's a bit more socially accepted as well I think but yeah so this f factor thing I think I don't know. I love all the drama, to be honest. I just find it so interesting. Um, I'm not going to lie. It's that, like, reality TV thing. I just, like, love following the story. But I think at the end of the day, like, my big takeaway is have your fiber because it's a really, really essential nutrient. Um, Don't think about fiber in terms of, like, it'll help you lose weight. Think about fiber in terms of supporting your gut health, which we know helps with immunity. Um, It helps with digestive health. It helps with your mood and even links to mental health. Um, It's great for, you know, your body overall and to support your gut. Um, But don't, and your cardiovascular health, I could literally go on forever. It also helps slow down the digestion of you know, certain, certain foods. So you get like long lasting energy. So you prevent those like sugar spikes followed by those lulls, which make you feel like crap. Um, so you don't have to like have those terrible, just like, you know, when you get like lethargic and shaky and like your blood sugar. So that's such a, not a nice feeling for anyone, like Mm -hmm. anxiety ridden. So I just think like fiber is brilliant. Everyone should be having fiber, eat your whole grains, eat your fruit, eat your vegetables. Mm -hmm. Don't rely on 
kind of those external if you have to if it I don't think any health professional should be selling like powders and shakes and bars to get your fiber in like we should always be no. saying health professionals like get it through food first 100 percent. like it's like anything you know yeah. with any kind of nutrient food is like food first is is ideal slash preferred yeah so then there's also I don't know have you ever heard of gg crackers um is it like g fiber yes yeah they're not in the uk though are they I don't know. No, I I think they're actually like Swedish or something, but those are like a massive part of the F Factor diet is that she recommends that you consume everything on these fiber crackers instead of having like bread or, you know, whatever. It's all these fiber crackers that I'm sure, I've never had one, but I'm sure it tastes like cardboard. But I remember like I had a few friends following the F Factor diet and they would bring their Gigi crackers to dinner. So it'd be out to dinner and they'd like whip their Gigi crackers out of their purse to get their fiber in so this is and, what I mean with like diets and interrupting your social life yeah. slash enjoyment yeah and I just think like if you're counting your fiber grams of net carbs today like it's the same thing as counting calories it's the same thing as having foods off limits it's the same diet cycle you restrict you binge you have food food mm-hmm. guilt your it's that mentality that you get stuck in yeah your relationship with food is damaged you know can I I mean there are stories of you know people coming out saying they haven't had a banana in two three years because they've been so petrified of it so awful yeah so I think everyone if you're interested in it you know go read up on it there's a tons of sites that are talking about it and I actually feel bad talking about the founder because you know I don't know her and I don't know everything but I can talk to the science and the nutrition of it mm-hmm. um, and from a nutrition perspective I would just like everything else, avoid rules, diets, counting, restriction, restriction. Um, yeah, but it's 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 an interesting conversation for sure. Mm. So, anything else? Oh yeah, last question. Um, sorry, let me pull it up. Um, and this will be the big one. Um, I know we're getting close to the end of the podcast, but we will hit you with the hard-hitting information. Um, Hi, Sophie and Barry. I've really been enjoying the podcast, and it's helped me so much in my own journey with my relationship with food. However, I get a lot of comments from my friends and family on what and how much I eat, and it can really affect my mood. What should I do? I hate it when, I mean, I have clients who come to me and say, you know, my mom comments on my weight every time I go over or like my grandparents always have to say something. And I really do feel like grandparents are the worst for that because yeah. they just don't get it, do they? Like, yeah. it's a I know, like, thing. yeah, like this whole kind of messaging um, that we have now around, I don't know, health every size and kind of food freedom. They just didn't exist yeah. back in the day, did they? Um, I so my personal opinion is let's say you're at dinner with your family and someone brings up or comments on what you're eating or how you look whatever it might be I am a firm believer of going in and being like um you know I'd really appreciate it if you didn't comment on what I was eating or how I look and I know that sounds like it can be so daunting and so terrifying but it really does you know when I've had clients come to me and say they've done it the person who has said it is kind of like oh like you've actually pulled me up on it yeah and they won't question it I mean they might do depending on the relative we're we're talking about but most of the time for, again from my personal experience with clients they're kind of a little bit taken aback and they don't want to fight you on it because they yeah. feel a bit like an idiot do you know what I mean like why, why why are they so concerned with what you're eating yeah it sounds a bit confrontational at first but then when you actually think about it it it's just setting boundaries and that's yeah, what I- and they're being confrontational by exactly doing that you just have to set boundaries and just say if someone is triggering you, hey, I'd really like it if we change the conversation or mm-hmm. I really like it if we don't talk about, you know, food like I'm working on myself and it would be really helpful if I didn't have like external um, noise and opinions kind of affecting that. Yeah, I think what it comes down to is you sticking up for you and your body. Yeah. And I think there's real power in doing that, because if you don't do that, you're essentially saying, you know, you're not sticking up for yourself 
Yeah. And what a lot of my clients have found is when they do stick up for themselves, that they find it really empowering and they feel that level of respect rise with themselves. I love that, actually. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think it goes both ways. So someone comments being like, doesn't look like you're having enough food, but then also it can be the opposite of being like, oh, just just have this, you know, have this one more piece of cake or the worst is like I've heard this before. It's like someone baked you a cake. And then mm-hmm. you want a slice because you actually don't want it. But then it's like, oh, well, why aren't you having it? Are you, you know, trying to lose weight or something? And it's mm-hmm. just like, I will have some later when I fancy it. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, just set your boundaries. Just, you know, if you don't want something, you don't have. I mean, like, it's kind of like, um, like people expect it. Like, I, I know my mom will be listening and she shows her love with food. And every time that we go visit, like she stocks the cabinets with like everything mm-hmm. that Mark loves. Like when I tell you like a gallon of his favorite salted caramel ice cream and like all the cookies home baked that you can imagine. And he's always like, this is great. But like now I feel obliged to eat. <laughs> and then his I, weight in ice cream. Yeah. And he's like, it's great for the first two days. And then after it's like a chore. Yeah. But um, so I think you just have to set those boundaries and maybe I'll do it for him on this podcast and saying, mom, just get like the really normal size, small <laughs> screen. You don't have to go to Costco and get the massive one for him. Um, he's fine with just a pint of ice cream is more than enough. Um, but I do think it just comes down to setting those boundaries. Yeah, I think on the flip side of that as well, sometimes it can be done out of concern. Yeah. You know, let's say, you know, you're let's say as a random example, your mom thinks you're under, you're under eating. So she might comment because she's worried. Mm-hmm. Maybe just have a really straight up conversation with her away from other people and say, look, I am struggling. It's not helping by you calling me out in front of the rest of the family. You know, just again, like stick up for yourself and do and do something that you think is going to make the situation better and more manageable for you. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think that's the best advice is. You know, also, like, you have to stick up. If you, if you can't stick up for yourself, it's ultimately, you just said it before, but, like, it's that lack of respect. And if you mm-hmm. want to improve your relationship with food, you have to, you know, respect yourself and respect your body and things like that. I think it's so important. So I love that advice. I think that's absolutely fantastic. Um, stick up for yourself and set boundaries. Yay. That was a nice note to end on. Very nice. Okay, perfect. Um, I really like this podcast episode, a bit different. Um, yeah. Definitely. And thanks for the people that emailed in slash DM'd. Yes. So we love you, hearing from you. Yes. Please write in more. Um, you can email forkingwellness at gmail.com. You can DM Forking Wellness on Instagram or DM Sophie and I on our personal accounts as well as if you would like us to talk about anything on the podcast. Yeah. So thanks so much for listening. Um, If you loved the episode and you think it might help someone else, please do share with your friends and family. Um, Rate, review and subscribe. It really does help us get seen in the charts and we just want to reach as many people as possible. Yeah, and we will see you guys next week. Have a great week. Bye.